great God and Father, give you thanks and praise for this sacred hour, this sacred moment, this sacred opportunity to open your sacred book to your sacred people and to preach your heart and mind for us. We pray for your anointing both on the preacher all of us who will receive the word, that your word might find fertile hearts and minds, to receive your word so it takes root and bears fruit in our lives, for Christ's sake, amen. Many years ago, our church leaders adopted a four-pillar church growth strategy. You see the four white pillars behind me? the first pillar says prayer. Our leaders at that time defined prayer this way. Prayer is the amazing invitation to speak to God and to hear from Him as we witness His life-transforming power. Prayer is the amazing invitation to speak to God and to hear from him as we witness his life-transforming power. This definition suggests that foundational to prayer is a relationship with an open invitation for constant communication with God. And one of the keys to constant and healthy communication is asking good questions. Do you remember when you were getting to know your spouse before you said, I do, at the altar? She had at least a thousand questions for him, and he had maybe a hundred questions for her, right? Now tell me, when either of you sense your relationship is getting a little stale, what's missing? Questions. <laughs> Not an argument. But questions, important questions, meaningful questions, honest questions. When you think you know all there is to know about a person, you seldom ask any more questions. The relationship gets stale, and you begin to assume things you ought not to assume instead of asking questions. You begin to make judgments and you become judgmental about your relationship or the other person in that relationship. And that leads to a breakdown in healthy communication, which then leads to a breakdown in what used to be a healthy relationship. Does this pattern sound familiar to you? Have you seen this video play out in some of your relationships? This might surprise you, but this same pattern occurs between God and his spiritual children, also known as Christians. From the beginning of time, we find in Scripture prayerful communication between God and his people, whereby God initiates the conversation often with questions. And then he also answers the questions of his people. For example, you remember shortly after God made Adam, and placed him in the Garden of Eden. He then gave Adam instructions on how to care for the creation. 
And he warned Adam not to eat of the forbidden tree in the center of the garden. And then sometime after God made Eve, and he gave her to Adam to be his wife, and Eve was deceived by the devil who was in the form of a serpent. And she not only ate the forbidden fruit, the Bible says she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Immediately after she had sinned by disobeying God's command, they discovered their nakedness. They made some clothes out of leaves and they hid themselves when they heard God walking in the cool of the day in the middle of the garden. Do you remember what God said to initiate a conversation with them while they were still ducking and dodging? God asked a simple question. Adam, where are you? This is very interesting. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned for the very first time, they began to feel the consequences of their sin. Fear, guilt, shame. They felt guilt and shame because their, cons their conscience convinced and convicted them of a crime against their maker and lover of their souls. But instead of, instead of initiating a conversation to seek forgiveness and cleansing and reconciliation, they gave in to an unhealthy fear of God and they tried to run and hide from Him. How many of you know that you can't run and hide from Almighty God? <laughs> you can't run and hide from God. God knows all things and He sees all things. There's no running and hiding from the all-knowing God, the all-seeing God. But an unhealthy fear of God is deceptive. And it will lead you to do things that don't even make sense, like trying to run and hide from God. But a healthy fear, a healthy fear of God will lead you to run to God. Humbling yourself, confessing your sin, and seeking His forgiveness. So when we attempt to run and hide in unhealthy fear, God our Heavenly Father, just like He did with Adam and Eve, He comes looking for us. And He initiates the reconciliation process by asking, Where are you? Where have you been? Haven't seen you in church lately. Haven't seen you in prayer lately where are you he doesn't ask because he doesn't know he asks so that we will respond and come back to him he begins with a question urging us to come out of hiding and come to him with questions of our own to restore our broken relationship with him. Let's look at a few divine invitations so that we can see for ourselves that God is committed to our relationship with him even when we fail him, when we disappoint him in thought, word, or deed. When we sin against Him and turn away from Him and fail to be and to do all that He has called us to be and to do, He pursues us relentlessly. He won't force Himself on us, but instead, 
He gives us an open invitation to commune with Him. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. God says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Wow! Now, that's a big ask. That's a big invitation, right? Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance? The ends of the earth, your possession? Some of us have very little because we have belittled God in our minds. When you have a small concept of God, you will be limited to ask small things of God. But when your concept of God is huge, you will ask for big things, yes, even nations. Several years ago, our SBC mission leaders from the IMB encouraged SBC churches around the nation not just to go on short-term mission trips, but to also prayerfully adopt an unreached people group and to take responsibility to reach them with the gospel. Our UBC mission team began to pray and talk with our missionaries in Tanzania asking them if they could recommend the people group for us to adopt that they themselves had been praying for. And they gave us, the Lee, Richard, and Karen Lee, they gave us some, the name of an unreached people group called the Zoramo. And so a small group of us went on a prayer mission to prayer walk the villages of the Zoramo people seeking to find Zorama people of peace who would welcome us into their homes and, and be open to spiritual conversations. And we came back determined to ask God to give us the Zorama people so that his church might be established among them and that he might receive worship from their heart language. And then we started planning annual trips to evangelize and make disciples among the Zorama. Today, there are about four or five church plants called UBC Masaki, UBC Chanika, UBC Quazo, and I don't even remember the other two, which are the named after us and the villages where these churches are now planted. Today, the Zoramos are no longer an unreached, unengaged people group because God has given us what we asked for. We serve a big and mighty God. And I pray that you will expand your heart and mind so your faith will increase and your prayers can be expanded to include big things this year. Why? Because we serve a big God. A big God who has invited us to go big when we come to Him asking. In his excellent book on prayer titled Just Asking, Stuart McAlpine makes the profound point that all true prayer begins with God. At his initiation, his asking of us prompts us to ask of him. Wow, that's amazing to me. That's powerful. And, and when we're too weak or too confused to know, even know what to ask for, the Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans 8, 
that the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words can't even express. The last 12 months, in some ways, were perhaps the darkest 12 months in the life of Dr. Tony Evans, who just turned 70. Tony Evans is a well-known, well-loved pastor in Dallas. He's a radio and TV preacher and author. I've met him many times, listened to him many, many years. One of my favorite preachers. I admired him and his ministry for so long and so much. Last January, a year ago, his younger sister died suddenly and unexpectedly in hospital. Last July, his 38-year-old niece who worked for him in his ministry, she died suddenly without warning, leaving a husband and four little girls and a void in their ministry there in Dallas. Last November, his 90-year-old father, whom he admired greatly, passed away. And then, in December, his younger brother, famous professor at a university in Florida, passed away. Last week, a year after this string of deaths. Last week, his beloved wife of 40 plus years died. Five. Not one, not two, not three, not five close members of his family in one year. You say, preacher, did Dr. Evans get what he prayed for? Well, sometimes God gives us more than we prayed for. You can go online and listen to the eulogy that he gave his wife last week. Dr. Evans got God's all-sufficient comforting grace. Grace that he said to carry on in life and ministry without his life partner and these other people that were close to him. Sometimes what we are praying, God says, I got you. And he answers the prayer and gives us something more and better than what we have. It's all sufficient, comforting grace. Let's move on to another invitation from the Lord found in Zechariah chapter 10. In verse 1, Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who makes the storm clouds. It is he who gives showers of rain to men and plants of the field to everyone. Whenever God invites us to pray, asking him for whatever is on our hearts and minds, he's also teaching us something unique about himself. Something that distinguishes him from all other false gods or idols. So, for example, God says, ask me for rain in the springtime to water your crops. And then he tells you why you should ask him for rain for your crops. Because he is the one who makes the rain clouds and the snow clouds. 
It is him who gives showers of rain to men and the crops in the field. God causes the rain to fall on everyone and everything. Therefore, if we lack rain, we should look to the rainmaker and ask him to provide for us what only he can provide for us. There is no one and nothing else to whom we can ask for rain. You see, the prophet Zechariah was writing during the days when Israel was surrounded by nations and tribes who worshipped many false gods. They had a different god for different needs. They had a fertility god, they had a rain god, they had a sun god, they had a god for business trade. They had different false gods for everything under the sun. And they handmade many of their gods out of stone and wood carvings. Think about how foolish that is. You're taking an inanimate object that is not alive, and you're sculpting and creating it, and then you worship it and ask it for stuff. Huh. Imagine that. But before we laugh at those folks, think about the idols we have. We hold them in the palm of our hands all day. Look at them and scroll through them. Y'all well, not hear what I'm talking about. So let me move on. But the God of Israel is the God in whom every spiritual and material need is met. Amen? Amen. Did you ever read the book or see the movie Faith Like Potatoes? Yes, I, it's a strange title, I know. It's a fascinating true story of a white European farmer who moved from Zambia to South Africa. After a while, his wife finally convinced him to go to church and he gets gloriously saved and he learns to pray. During that time, there was a severe drought all across the country of South Africa. And the scientists had warned farmers not to plant potatoes in particular unless they had good sources of water for irrigation. But this recent convert, since God wanted him to plant potatoes, despite the fact that there was a drought and he had no good source of water for irrigation, and he had been warned by all the, the climate scientists not to do that. He was convinced after planting his potatoes seeds at great cost and risk, he began to pray to the Lord of the rains. He was convinced that if God's people got together for a corporate ask, God would break the drought all across South Africa and all the farms would get rain that they needed for the crops to feed the country. After crisscrossing the country, speaking in churches and inviting them to a corporate prayer meeting, the people of God agreed to gather in a soccer stadium in the appointed time and day, and they filled the stadium to capacity. And they prayed and they worshiped God and the God who alone can pour down rain on men and crops of the field. And sure enough, God heard and answered the united prayers of his people, and the rest is history. You can watch Faith Like Potatoes, an Amazon Prime video or Netflix. It's an absolutely stunning film. It'll bless your soul. So what are we asking as a church of God? 
this year. While I know that we are asking for a smooth leadership transition, we're asking for God's man to lead us to the next level. We're asking God to unite our hearts and the hearts of the pastoral search team and to give them wisdom and clarity on creating the profile of our next pastor who already exists, by the way. And then we're asking God to introduce us to that person and him to us at just the right time. January 26th. Believers all across our city will gather at the First Baptist Congregational Church on the near west side to collectively ask God to continue reducing the violence in our city. Bringing an end to the culture of violence and death and renewing a culture of life and peace in our city. Won't you gather with us to pray Sunday night, January 26th, asking God to give us this city? Speaking of asking for this great city, I want us to look at another invitation from the lips of our Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. I'm going to start at 36. When he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, speaking of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm convinced that somewhere along our 40-year history, somebody prayed this scripture for our church. I don't know of another church our size that has sent out more missionaries and church planners from their membership than this one. But we must now pray to the Lord of the harvest, asking him for uptown and all Chicago. The church in Chicago must ask the Lord for the, of the harvest to send us out with his love and his truth to win the lost and the dying across the city. When you see the crowds in our city, the crowds on the trains and the buses, on the streets, are you filled with compassion like Jesus is? You, you and I, we will not pray to the Lord of the harvest if we have no compassion for our lost neighbors and co-workers. Not only will we fail to pray, but we will also fail to be the answer to our prayers or anyone else's prayer. The Pray Chicago Prayer Movement, which began seven years ago, and is now Chicago Land United in Prayer under the umbrella of Together Chicago. It's an incredible movement of God. After praying together for several years, God began to show us that he, he wanted us to become the answers to our own prayers. Hundreds of people who gathered for our semi-annual prayer events began asking, what can we do in addition to our prayers? I mean, praying is great and praying is the beginning point, but what can we do in addition to our prayers? People began asking us who are leading the prayer movement. Out of all of the asking before God and all of the asking of each other, 
Together Chicago was born. We are now serving in 20 different public schools, mentoring and tutoring children and their parents. We've mobilized dozens of churches across the city. We've set up 10 gospel justice centers, one of which was meeting here yesterday, to help people with legal issues. We've created economic partnerships to help launch new minority entrepreneurs like Will. Small business owners are growing and, and, and hiring formerly incarcerated men and gang members. We've got plans to build affordable housing across our city, all because God's people asked the Lord of the harvest to send out his workers into the field. See, the gospel is being preached in word and in deed. And God is using his own people to answer their own prayers. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure some of you who read your Bible regularly have noticed this strange interaction that Jesus occasionally has with people. I remember reading my Bible and thinking, this is kind of weird. We find two such interactions in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 36 and 51. Mark chapter 10, 36 and 51. One day, James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, came to him with a surprising demand. I mean, you got to be bold to demand Jesus to do anything, right? They said, Jesus? further down in Mark 10 a blind beggar named Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by where he lived and begged every day and so he began crying out Jesus son of David have mercy on me but many in the crowd began to rebuke him and told him to shut up Bartimaeus was desperate for his miracle wouldn't you be if you were blind and you heard that the miracle worker was coming through your town, down your street, on your block. And so he shouted all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and told his disciples to call Bartimaeus over to him. And when blind Bartimaeus stood before Jesus, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, really? What do you want me to do for you? Why would Jesus ask such a foolish question? Everybody knows Bartimaeus is blind. And if nobody knows, Jesus knows he's blind. Jesus knows all things. He sees all things. He knew what the disciples wanted before they came making their demand. Come up. We want you to do for us anything and everything we ask you to do. Like the old black preacher would say, don't he know it? And won't he do it? He's Jesus. Don't he know it? Don't he already know it? And won't he do it? Jesus knows all things. He knows what we need before we know what we need. And so why bother asking, right? That's what blows my mind. Why does Jesus ask this question. He is seeking a more intimate relationship that comes by asking and answering specific questions. 
Sometimes when I get calls or texts from some of my disciples who are trying to step out of the gang life, they have a hard time asking for what they really want from me. I realize that the reasons for that are complicated. It could be that they're feeling too proud or too shameful because it's hard to ask for the things that they should really be supplying for themselves. Or maybe they've never met a man who gave them an open invitation to ask for any help they need to help them put down the guns and the drugs and to choose life, liberty, and peace. Maybe they've never met a man they could trust to truly help them help themselves. A man who keeps his promises. They're in short supply in the hood these days. And so they hesitate to come out and boldly ask for what they really need. And so I play this game that Jesus played. I listen carefully to the drama that is unfolding in their lives, and then I say, so how can I help you? And then I silently listen. And they go on and on while I listen for a simple request in the answer to my simple question. And we go back and forth for a little while, and I repeat, how can I help you? And finally, they get it. They get the fact that I've asked a simple question, and I want a simple request. I want them to formulate a simple request to tell me specifically what is it that they think I can do for them right now that they can't do for themselves. And then we begin to negotiate how I will deliver their request and how they will receive it. And then I test them, like Jesus did. I test them to see whether they will show gratitude. Remember the day the 10 lepers came to Jesus for healing? He healed all 10 of them. They all were excited, they ran away. How many came back to say thanks? One. So it is with some of the guys that we serve. Some of them struggle because they, they were never taught how to be thankful when somebody does some kind act of service or provides some material blessing to you. And so I test them to see whether they will show gratitude and then whether they will allow us to develop a relationship in between the asking for things to then ask for advice. See, that's the next level of asking. A lot of times, as new Christians, we come to God asking Him for things. Later on, we learn to ask for the incredible wisdom that is limitless with God. I want to know whether my guys will simply try to play me like an ATM machine or relate to me as a mentor and learn from me how to build their own ATM machine and stock it with their own money. It dawned on me while studying for this series that discipleship is much like the relationship God wants with us in prayer. Stuart McAlpine has an incredible insight for us here. He says, quote, when God says, ask, it is his grace that initiates and invites our asking to answer him. 
However, he is not just giving us permission to ask, but he's giving us a prescription. The invitation is a command that emphasizes both the need of God to hear our asking and our need to ask. Asking ceases to be optional. It is essential. It is how we relate to God. Therefore, asking is not just a matter of faith. It is a matter of obedience. End quote. McAlpine goes on to remind us that the foundation of prayer is relationship. And relationship is fostered by asking and answering. A lot of my guys, they are blown away when I give them an open invitation to come to my house. And they sit at my table and they eat my food. And then they sit on my couch and take two hour, three hour naps. Before they go back out on the street trying to make it and hustle another day. But you see, soon they learn that I'm not just an ATM machine, but I'm after a relationship so that I can then, because I'm in proximity to God, I want to introduce them to the God who can bless them like I am blessed so that they can become a blessing to others as they are receiving the blessing through me. The other day we went to see one of our guys, took father and son to go see a son and father in prison. Five and a half hours down to Menard, five and a half hours back. Guess what we talked about in those 11 hours in the car? We worshiped the Lord, we prayed together, we talked about Jesus, talked about life. It's about relationship. Amen. It's about relationship. And we asked and answered questions along the way. Calpine goes on to remind us that the foundation of prayer is relationship. And relationship is fostered by asking and answering. Asking relates us to God. And God's answers relates us to God. And I pray that you and I will get back to the simple business of asking God. Let us continue to build an intimate relationship with God by answering his questions and asking him our questions. Let's stand as we pray.
He's asking you to make a sacrifice this year that you did not make last year. What questions do you have for him? Did you know that God is not afraid of your questions? He's not offended by your questions. Thank you for being you. 